floorboards the shingles this is the money pit home improvement radio show i'm tom kreitler and i'm leslie segretti what are you doing this weekend we'd love to help you if there is a home improvement project on your to-do list pick up the phone and call us at one eight 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 money pit with that question and we will do our best to get you the information that you need to get that job done so you can get back to that lounge chair and spend more hanging out time with your friends or your family the number is one eight 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 Money Pit eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four. Speaking of hanging out, now is a surprisingly popular time to work on outdoor rooms. People have kind of had it, Leslie, with being stuck inside all the darn time. Well, it, you know, it's been too hot to yeah. get outside, so there's a lot of outdoor rooms that get built in the fall so that people can enjoy, you know, the last uh, month to six weeks of of the summer like weather and have it good to go for next spring. So whatever project is on your to-do list, we are here to help. The number is one eight 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 money pit Now, one project that is also very popular this time of year is uh, to do some maintenance to your heating and cooling season, uh, system, specifically cleaning your ducts. It's a very popular thing to do. But do you ever wonder if it necessarily does the trick? Uh, the truth is that very often it doesn't, and sometimes cleaning your ducts can actually stir up so much dirt and dust that it, uh, it actually makes your air dirtier. We're going to teach you a way, though, to clean and scrub the air in your house that doesn't involve as much work and certainly as much expense as duct cleaning coming up. And also ahead this hour, you know, basements are one of the best untapped spaces in many, many homes, probably your home as well. So we're going to share secrets for a successful basement renovation in just a little bit. And the race is on now to make one of the best energy-saving moves of the decade, replacing windows. We say that because the tax credits that help pay for that project will run out at the end of the year. So now it's the time to uh, get going on a project like that that's going to save you energy and improve your comfort and earn you up to a 30% tax credit, I think up to about 1500 bucks. So we're going to tell you how to choose the best windows for your home in just a bit, including uh, we're going to talk about the results of a new J.D. Power ranking that's making one brand really stand out. And we've got a great prize up for grabs this hour. It is a super useful copy of our book, My Home, My Money Pit, your guide to every home improvement adventure. And one very lucky caller is going to get a copy of this book if they ask us their question on the air and we draw their name out of the Money Pit hard hat. So give us a call right now. The number is one eight 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 Money Pit eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four. Let's get right to those phones. Leslie, who's first? Tim in Illinois needs some help with the foundation issue. What's happening? Well, we had a uh, ten or twelve inches of rain not too long ago, and I had an old brick foundation that caved in, and I wanted to go back in and replace it with cement block. And I was wondering if you guys have ever heard of surface bonded concrete where you dry stack the blocks, and then you put on this fiber-reinforced mortar mix on the sides. Yeah, I have heard of that, but why, why do that for a repair like this? Why not just do something very traditional, very standard, and very solid? I mean, that's the kind of thing that you typically don't see as a repair. Um, that's just a, a foundation system that usually when you're doing the entire foundation from scratch, you could do that. I'd much prefer to see you just kind of rebuild what you had. Well, it was brick before, not cement block, and we were having to take out the entire wall. So okay. it's going to be the entire wall that's taken out. So why not just put cement block back and, uh, you know, put it, put it up in the typical fashion 
where you mortar each block in place? Well, one of the things I read by on the literature at the website was that it's also very good for waterproofing. And uh, one part of the foundation they had done with block and mortar, uh, it leaked. That may be one of the touted benefits of the product, but that's not the solution to a water problem in a basement. If you have a water problem in the basement, by the way, did that water problem lead to the collapse of this wall? It's a separate wall. Um, uh, I think gutters being full, actually, I think is what the problem was. Yeah, well, see, managing managing the water is really the issue. You want to make sure that your gutters stay clean and that your downspouts are extended well away from the house, like four to six feet. And you want to make sure that the soil slopes away. Those three things will protect the foundation from leakage. So you don't need to install a system of, uh, you know, uh, of special types of block to keep the water out. Because guess what? That block wall could be waterproof, and the water will still find a way around it mm-hmm. or under it. It'll just go to the spot right next to it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Diane in Maryland's just not getting the proper pressure in her shower. What can we do for you today? Hi. I'm having trouble with the water pressure in, in my whole house, actually. Whole I have house. low water pressure upstairs and really high water pressure downstairs. Is there anything I could do about it? Low water pressure upstairs and high water pressure downstairs usually means that your main water line into the house is not delivering enough water. And the fixtures that are the farthest away from the main water line have the least flow. Gotcha. So that's not unusual. How old is your house? It's about 40 years old. And what kind of pipes do you have coming into the house? Do you know? They're copper. They're copper. So... The copper is not going to restrict like a steel pipe would, but it might be a problem with the valve. So the, pr- okay. the pattern that you're describing is probably plumbing related in terms of a valve that's restricting water to the second floor. And what I would do is I would sort of dissect or have a plumber dissect the, the supply lines up to the second floor and figure out where the drop in pressure is. Okay. Now, the pressure on the second floor that's low, is that low through all the fixtures in this bathroom? Is it one bathroom, first of all? It's the bathroom in the kitchen upstairs. Okay, so, yes, so all it's the just fixtures. one bathroom. And you say all the fixtures, so we're talking about both, what, a tub and shower and a sink? Yes. Any problems with the toilet? Yes. Hmm. All right, well, I would say to check the, the, uh, the cold water supply line up to that space, because I suspect that it's restricted somewhere, and that's why you're having this pressure problem. I doubt very seriously there's any uh, problem with the clogging of a pipe because as long as everything's copper, there's really nothing for you to clog. Okay. Well, thank you for your information. I want to check into that. All right, Diane. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Now you can be part of the Money Pit. All you have to do is pick up the phone 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and give us a call with your home repair, home improvement, design, decor, whatever you've got going on at your Money Pit. We're here to help. So call us at 1-888-MONEY-PIT. 888-666-3974. Up next, ducks can be dusty and dirty. But will a deep cleaning from one of those duck cleaning professionals actually really help you out? Find out next.
where home solutions live. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And the number here is 1-888-MONEYPIT. So give us a call with your home repair, home improvement question. Maybe you're trying to think about what you need to do to get your house ready for the fall, which is right around the corner. So think about what you're working on and give us a call. We'll give you a hand with that. And if we draw your name out of the Money Pit hard hat, you could win a great prize this hour. We're giving away a copy of our book, My Home, My Money Pit, Your Guide to Every Home Improvement Adventure. So give us a call at 1-888-MONEYPIT. 888-666-3974. Now, one of the more popular projects, certainly uh, one that's being marketed a lot these days, is duct cleaning. You know, with all the air that your heating ducts carry uh, year-round, eventually they're going to end up holding on to some of the debris. However, it doesn't mean that you should put the system through frequent and rigorous cleanings, as if they're not done properly, they can actually end up causing major air quality issues. Instead, what you want to do is make sure you use a very good quality filter. Take the money you were going to spend on the duct cleaning and think about having an electronic air cleaner installed in your system, not the fiberglass filters. We call those pebble stoppers because if it's <laughs> smaller than a pebble, it's going to go right through. Think about using an electronic air cleaner, uh, one that really um, has a good reputation, does a really good job at stopping even the very tiniest dust particles. That is a far better investment than having your system cleaned every year because if you do it once, you're going to have you know air going through those ducts that can actually strip out all the pollens, all the allergens, a lot of viruses, and really keep you safe and keep your air clean all year long, not only in the winter, but also in the summer. So I would skip the duct cleaning, have a good HVAC guy, put in an electronic air cleaner, and you'll be better off. All right, now we've got Rich in New Jersey calling in. What can we do for you today? Hi, Leslie. I was, um, I'm working with a bunch of volunteers. We're, we're trying to fix up uh, New York Military Academy, which is a school where uh, we graduated from. The barracks is the first prefabricated concrete building in the country. It's solid concrete. Oh, how interesting. Prefabricated. And what year was it built? 1921. 1921. Wow. And we're all volunteer labor. But okay. there's, a, there's a question going back and forth, that, and we're trying to get an issue settled. Okay. Half the guys are saying that we're crazy if we don't scrape this 100-year-old building down to the original concrete before we repaint it. And the other half says we'll do just as well to patch and fill and then apply the spray paint and just come back in three to five years. And uh, we're, we're just going back and forth, and we can't seem to get any resolution. So I thought I'd call the experts and ask your opinion. Well, I'm sure you've got lots and lots of layers of uh, probably some of that good old-fashioned lead paint on there, which uh, means you've got to be a little bit careful with this process. But the general rule of thumb is you want to get as much of that off as humanly possible. Now, it may not mean going all the way down to the original masonry surface, concrete surface, but you certainly have to get down to where you're looking at something that's very solid. The next thing, and this is going to be a very critical part of this, you want, you want to make sure that you prime this. Because you have to understand that primer and, uh, and exterior paint have separate qualities. The primer is the glue that makes the project, makes the paint stick. And so if it's not primed properly, it's not going to stick. Now, if you have damage to the wall, then you need to use a patching material made of epoxy, an epoxy patching compound. Uh, there's a company called Abatron, A-B-A-T-R-O-N. They make a great selection of all sorts of patching materials that will really cause good adhesion. Yeah, and that's the but key. old-fashioned spackle is, is not the solution. Not gonna, no, no, it's not going to stay. Absolutely not. And any type of concrete that you put on there, not going to work. It'll, it'll fall right off the very first New York winter you get at the New York Military Academy, okay? Thank you. 
Critically, you use an epoxy patching compound. It's got the qualities to make it stick. Critically, you paint it, prime it first, then top coat paint it. And I think if you do that properly, the nice thing about masonry surfaces is unlike organic materials like wood siding, that paint can actually last 10 or 15 years because think about it, you don't have the expansion and the contraction that you would have associated with a wood surface. So it does tend to last a long time. Definitely worth, though, taking the time on the prep now, even though it's very painful. Uh, you need a lot of hands for this. Uh, definitely worth getting it straightened out right now because this way you'll be able to do it once, do it right, and then by the time uh, it's ready to paint again, your kids can do it. <laughs> That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Is the preferred technique a sandblaster? Uh, you have to be very careful with a sandblaster because you can damage the uh, original concrete surface, but it's not a bad thing to try because you may find that it comes off easily that way. Well, thank you. That's a, that's a good piece of advice. And now that we've heard from the experts, I can... Uh, I can win the bet at the bar. Well, we're, we're happy to settle the bet. Rich, thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. And uh, what a great project for a bunch of guys to do. You know, if you are working on projects like that around the country, we always ask you to call with your home improvement questions about your house. And send but pictures. Certainly, if you're doing a project for charity like that, if you're working on a, a community event, uh, perhaps building a playground or fixing up a building uh, for uh, a deserving group, we'd love to hear about that. So pick up the phone and call us at one 888 Money Pit. Heading out west to Oregon where Janet is having some issues with the driveway. Tell us about the problem. Hi. Um, it's uh, crumbling okay. <laughs> and cracking. <laughs> and um, it just looks awful. And I'd like to find something that I could resurface it with. Is there a product that could go over the existing concrete? Yeah, Janet, there's a product uh, called Abocrete, A-B-O-C-R-E-T-E, and it's made by a company called Abatron, A-B-A-T-R-O-N. That's their website, abatron.com. This is a multi-part product. It's an epoxy patching compound. You mix it together, and it is incredibly durable stuff. It's unaffected by salt water, by oils, by other chemicals. It will hold to any type of deteriorated concrete surface and basically allow you to rebuild uh, the deteriorated surface that's right there. Now, if you're doing a big driveway, you might need quite a bit of this and you're going to have to decide whether the cost of the product is worth it or maybe you just want to tear the driveway out and start again. But that's the product to use uh, to resurface it. Okay. Wonderful. Well, I thank you for your information. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Ross in Wyoming is working on some wrought iron stairs. What can we help you with? Well, uh, we're, we salvaged it out of a school to use in our house, and uh, it has a lot of old paint on it, and, of course, there's a lot of, lot of pieces every four inches, and I uh, wondered what something that we could use the easiest way to, to strip that old paint off, and uh, since we have it out in the open, maybe we could spray it with something or a pressure washer or something. I think the best plan of attack is probably going to be, I mean, are the layers so thick that if you sort of scraped away and sanded away the areas that, you know, it's flaking away from and then made it smooth, would you have a big difference in the texture of the surface? Yeah, I think it's, it's really flaky. I think it has to take it all off, I think. Well, I will say the pressure washers are pretty handy tools for paint strippers when you need to take the paint off of a, of a uh, wrought iron railing. I've used a pressure washer to strip paint off a radiator, and it worked great. Didn't really? damage you the metal. Really? You got all of it off? Got all of it off, 100%. And so did you spray it with some solvent or something? Nothing. Just the pressure of the water. It's a little messy, 
you know, because the water hits it and... And it goes everywhere. <laughs> it goes everywhere. But it was fun at the same time. That's why we like using pressure washers. It's the kind of tool that once you get going, you don't want to put it down. And then I think if you, you know, if like Tom says, if you're able to get a lot of it off, then what you would want to do is sand the areas where you still have some residual mm -hmm. sort of exactly. stickiness of the paint just to sort of smooth that edge so that you're not dealing with, you know, chunk of paint and then new surface, just so you sort of make that transition better. But the most important thing is, Ross, when you get that paint off, is to make sure you prime the entire surface again. Don't just paint on top of it. Make sure you prime it because once it dries real well, you can prime it using an oil-based primer. I mean, Rust-Oleum is a really good product. Let it dry, and then you can put any kind of top coat you want after that. But you got to prime it because the primer is kind of the adhesive that makes the paint stick. All right. Okay. Thanks. Thanks a lot. You're welcome, Ross. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Pauline from New York, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? Hi. My question is I have to redo my deck. And right now in spots, there's algae growing on some spots of it. And when it rains, the wood gets really slippery. It's like mm. you slept, uh, stepped on a banana peel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know? mm -hmm. absolutely. So my question is, what do I have to do to make sure I do a top-rate job and eliminate that problem so I so, can stain it and waterproof it? Right. What you want to do is you need to apply a mildicide, or you can use oxygenated bleach, both available at home centers. You could use like a siding wash, too. Either, any of those products are going to be mildicides. And the trick here, Pauline, is that you need to put it on the deck. You need to let it sit for 10 or 15 minutes. Don't let it dry in the sun, but let it sit, let it saturate, let it go to work. And then you can scrub it. I want you to get like a floor brush, like the kind you use when you got, you know, a really dirty floor and you got to really scrub it. Right. And really work it in and start loosening that stuff up and get it off the deck. After you get the, the, uh, the, the moss off and the algae off, then you can let it dry really good. Don't try to go from this in the morning to staining in the afternoon because you're going to have another problem that your stain's not going to absorb. So schedule this as sort of its own project for the weekend. Get as much of this off as you possibly can. Now, is it possible that you could in the future arrange for a little more sunlight to hit that deck? Is it possible that you could trim some trees or anything of that nature, or are you pretty much blocked in by the buildings? Uh, it, it does get full sun in the morning. Okay. The yeah, because if you have a real shady space, you're going to get more of that uh, moss and algae growth. And, and we always say that if it's possible to sort of thin out some trees or any overhanging um, things like that, then that actually will reduce it in the future. Of course, if you're in a, a type urban area like Brooklyn, then, you know, people get really emotional when you start sort of taking their building apart. So you we knocked down their buildings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, thanks so much, guys. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 1-888-MONEYPIT. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Up next, the race is on for millions of homeowners making improvements that will qualify for tax credits, which run out at the end of the year. We're going to have tips to help you take on one of the most popular projects next. 8 Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And window replacement has become one of the most popular home improvements out there. And the race is on for millions of Americans who want to cash in 
on federal tax credits that are set to expire at the end of this year. That's right. The clock is ticking. But just because you're short on time, it doesn't mean that you need to run out and make a rash decision. You know, choosing the right windows will go a long, long way in just how much energy you're going to save and how energy efficient your house is going to be. So to find out which windows will help you save the most energy, we're going to welcome Tony Eschmeyer from Simonton Windows. Welcome, Tony. Hey, Leslie. How are you? We're great, thanks. How exactly is energy efficiency measured, Tony, when it comes to windows? Because we hear and consumers hear so many descriptions of how efficient their homes is going to, are going to become mm-hmm. after they install new windows. It becomes very difficult to sort out uh, the fact from the fiction. So what are some core indicators of the level of energy efficiency a consumer can actually get out of new windows for their house? You know, Tom, I couldn't agree more. There's there's a lot of information, especially with the Internet now, that's out there. But I, I would point to two major measures, the first one being what the industry calls is U-value. Mm-hmm. And U-value essentially is the measure of thermal transfer or the measure of heat going across uh, a surface. The other is solar heat gain coefficient, and that is the measure of, of solar rays being absorbed or being reflected by the window. Yeah, and that can be reflected by the level of sunburn you get at the beach. You know, a lot of sunburn, a lot of solar heat gain, you know, making its way towards your skin. In the case of windows, it's working its way um, through those windows. Now, Tony, is it possible to buy a window that's actually too energy efficient? I mean, for example, if you live in the extreme north, your windows are going to be more harsh than, say, if you live in middle America. So should you take that into account when you make the decision? I, I would, Tom. You know, there are, we mentioned the energy tax credit, which kind of set a baseline of 0.30 on U-value and 0.30 on solar heat gain coefficient. In northern climates, like a, a Maine or a Vermont, you're actually going to want a solar heat gain coefficient that is maximized, because you want to take that solar, uh, the solar energy and be able to heat your home with that in the winter as much as you can. Obviously, the, the energy tax credit runs through the rest of this year. But after that, uh, the Department of Energy and the EPA have set out guidelines for Energy Star, which are actually tailored to, so the, the solar heat gain and the U-value are actually tailored to the, a specific region of the country. Now, Tony, say you go out and buy the window that's just perfect for you, right for your climate, you know, is going to be super energy efficient. How does the installation affect the efficiency of the window? If there's an installation issue, does the efficiency go down? Leslie, that is absolutely key. We we could make the most energy-efficient window on the face of the planet, and you could have the most energy-efficient wall. But if the interface between the two isn't done properly, you're going to lose it all. I mean, mean, everything, you know, you're not going to... Uh, realize the energy savings because you've got a bad installation. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. And, and I would suggest following the manufacturer's guideline for that installation. And I mean, does it make a lot of sense when purchasing the windows, you know, whatever dealer that you decide to go with, use somebody who is an installer that they recommend? I, I would absolutely, and do your own homework as well. Uh, you know, word of mouth uh, and, and local better, better business bureaus are, are good starting places to find that contractor. What we realized this year is that the homeowners and consumers are really listening to those, uh, those contractor recommendations when it comes to buying windows. So, and, and it's important. These are, these are folks that install hundreds of windows a year. Um, so you definitely want to have that trust and confidence in your installer that they'll do the job right. 
We're talking to Tony Eschmeyer, Sales and Growth Development Manager for Simonton Windows. So, Tony, let's say that we actually do uh, pick up and install qualifying windows, mm-hmm. and we get it done before the end of the year. How do you actually get that tax credit? Tom, two, p- two pieces of information that you want to hold on to. The first one being your receipt, uh, showing the, the amount was spent and was spent in the 2009 or 2010 tax year. And second would be the window label that actually uh, signifies that the window meets a .30 U value or a .30 solar heat gain coefficient. That's terrific. And if you are thinking about purchasing windows, we would suggest you take a look at Tony's products from Simonton because these guys just won not one but two J.D. Power Awards uh, for excellence, uh, one from uh, for consumers and one for builders and remodelers. Tony, you've got uh, both sides of the market uh, patting you guys on the back for a great job. Yes, Tom. It's, it's actually we're very proud of it, and it's the first year that a manufacturer in our category has won the, uh, the awards for being highest in builder and remodeler and customer satisfaction from J.D. Power. Well, congratulations on that. Tony Eschmeyer from Simons & Windows, thanks so much for stopping by the Money Pit. Tom, last week, thank you. Well, still ahead, you know, basement remodeling is a super popular project, especially for families who happen to be looking for some more space. We're going to share tips on how to choose the best floor for that underground space coming up. You live in a Money Pit. The Money Pit is brought to you by Generac and the Generac Automatic Standby Generator. Be protected and never worry about power outages again. Visit your favorite home improvement center or call 888-GENERAC or visit generac.com. Your home will stay on the next time the power goes out. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Making good homes better. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And here's something you might want to add to your home improvement calendar. Coming up next month, the Money Pit will be broadcasting live from the Craftsman Experience. It's a store in Chicago that they call an experience store for some very good reasons. That's right. You know, there's going to be a ton of demos and activities that are going to allow you to get up close and personal with some of Craftsman's most innovative tools, as well as their lawn and garden products and even garage storage units. And we love if you can join us in person or online for the entire day. It's going to be broadcast at Facebook.com slash Craftsman. The date, again, is Saturday, October 2nd, and we will be broadcasting from downtown Chicago. The store is right in Chicago's River North neighborhood, a beautiful area. For more information, you can visit Craftsman.com. Leland in Washington needs some help removing a carpet. Tell us what the situation is. Well, my question is, is somebody that likes to work hard to remove carpet that's glued down it's been okay. down a long time. Mm-hmm. It, I need to have a good help uh, idea to help me with this project. Well, Leland, what kind of flooring do you want to put down if you can get that carpet back up? Oh, it'll probably be your laminated uh, okay. flooring. Well, if that's the case, then all you really need to do is to scrape as much of that rubber off as you can. The laminate floor can take a little bit of uh, unevenness underneath it. Uh-huh. And so as long as you scrape off as much as you can, even if some of the staining and little bits of the old rubber backing remain, you can go right on top of that. If I am not getting it off, is there any solution of a liquid or anything can help release it? There certainly are some options, but um, i, I got to tell you that if you do use any of those types of uh, chemicals, uh, you, you're you're going to have an unpredictable result because when you add some of those solvents to that old rubber backing, 
Sometimes it comes off, and sometimes it gets worse. Mm -hmm. And either way, it's going to be a stinky mess. I think you're better off scraping it down, getting it nice and flat, and then putting the laminate right on top of that. You'll find that laminate floors come with their own underlayment that helps uh, make up some of the difference uh, in the unevenness of the floor, and that's clearly the best way to go. Leland, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Glenda, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? Hi, yes, my boyfriend bought me a wonderful house. Yeah, okay. that's a great boyfriend. We all the old carpet. Um, we have great wood floors, but now we also have gaps underneath underneath all the doors in the house. Right. So I'm trying to find a way that we can close the gaps without replacing the doors because they're really great doors. What kind of heating system do you have, Glenda? Horse air. Horse hot air. Okay. And do you have centralized return ducts, like a big duct in the middle in the of the hallway? hall? Do. You're well, going to want to keep that. You should keep those gaps. That's that's your return air path. Well, before it was for clearance for the carpeting. Yeah. But now that the carpeting yeah. is out, you need yeah. that air circulation to get to that main return in the hallway. Otherwise, you're going to have to keep the doors, you know, ajar. Yeah, it's a good it's a good thing for that reason. Um, but the other thing is, it's there's no way to extend those. I mean, we could tell you how to take the doors out and rehang them and put them down lower. But that would be a you know a complete waste of time. I don't know. The doors are so beautiful, though. Yeah. And well, how much of a gap are we talking about here? What do you got? Like an inch and a half? Inch and a half or more. Mm-hmm. That's not so much. <laughs> See, you think well, that when people walk into your house, Glenda, they go, "Oh, it's a nice house." Oh my God! Look at those, those gaps. gaps. <laughs> Nobody really notices them except for you. Yeah, I, that's probably true. It's probably <laughs> true. All right. So if anyone says anything, I'm just going to tell them that you tell me it's great for airflow. That's right. It is. You tell them that. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much for your help. And keep up the good work. I love your show. Very nice of you to say. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. And how about that boyfriend buying her a house? Yeah. I mean, some guys just give rings. Houses <laughs> are equally fantastic. Justin in Missouri is calling in with a roofing question. What can we do for you today? I have a, um, a porch roof, a metal porch roof. It's probably definitely not more than a 312. And um, I, it's abutted up to the to the existing um, house um, right underneath the soffit. Mm-hmm. And I'm worried about having animals, insects, and wind-driven debris like acorns and leaves blowing up underneath that gap between the corrugated metal roof and the soffit the existing house soffit, so I was wondering if there was there's a solution to fill that. If Tom's seen that in his, you know, home inspection days, or should I not be worried about it? Now, mm. when you're talking about this corrugated metal roof, are, is the gap that you're seeing just where those ridges are on the metal roof itself? It's not like a separate spacing. Right, correct. It's butted all the way up, just with a... With a, with a the peaks are, if you the, will. Yeah, yeah, the peaks, there you go, and the valleys are where they're... There's the it actually butts up underneath the soffit, so the soffit covers the top of that part of the roof? Correct. Mm, a little bit of an, un- an unusual installation, but I wouldn't worry too much about it. It's kind of really hard to uh, you know, to get a clean trim when you have corrugated roofing like that. Mm-hmm. You may have to get up there and do a cleaning occasionally or take a pressure washer and sort of blast out any debris that gets stuck in there. But I, I wouldn't worry too much about it, and I, and I certainly uh, don't think I would do anything to change that right now. But what about, you know, that, that lumber piece that you can buy that's cut exactly to the same... The trim? Exactly, the trim yeah. piece that goes with the corrugated roofing. I mean, can you not recess that in sort of, you know, an inch or so back from the edge? It depends on whether or not he's got enough height to do that. 
Um, there are trim pieces that are designed to go on top of corrugated roof uh, products, and that's what Leslie is suggesting. So you can take a look at the availability of those, and if it looks like it'll be a clean fit and seal the gaps, then fine. Um, but if not, I, I don't think I don't consider it a, a you know an ongoing problem for water infiltration because it is under the soffit. I, I do see almost like a, a small highway of ants that come in and out of there, though. Uh, that there's a big oak tree, and uh, I wonder. Well, that's it's not the roof that's causing that problem. Uh, you know, if you have an ant infestation, you know they could find that place very attractive just as well as a dozen others around your house. So you may want to address that with a pest control. Uh, technician because today they can put down put down the right products in just the right amounts that that insects will usually pick up and take back to their nest and that takes care of the whole situation okay well thanks a lot you're welcome thanks so much for calling us at 888 money pit you are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. You know, French doors, they offer a really beautiful look, and they do let in a ton of light. But how do you maintain privacy without actually covering up those windows? We're going to tell you after this. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home for calling 888-MONEY-PIT. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT or head on over to moneypit.com. Click on Ask Tom and Leslie and send us your email question just like Andrew did in New York. Andrew's tackling a basement flooring project. That's right. Andrew writes, I want to install a wood laminate or something similar in my finished basement. The room is below grade, but so far we've had no moisture. That's we do good. find that the floors get some coldness to them, particularly if we've got bare feet. The current floor has a double pad and a Berber carpet. What can I use for a subfloor so that I can insulate under the floor somehow? Wow, he's talking like he's got 10-foot ceilings in that basement. Well, yeah. Now, first of all, congratulations on doing the smart thing, which is getting rid of the carpet in the basement, uh, really feel that that's a bad idea for a whole host of reasons. Even if you don't have a moisture problem down there, you will find uh, that the simple humidity that's excessive in a basement uh, can make that carpet a really good place for dust, mites, and other allergens to breed, and you can get mold problems as well. So always a good idea to pull carpet out of basements. In terms of the replacement, your options are a laminate floor. Of course, you mentioned a wood design. That's fine. But speaking of wood, you can also go with engineered hardwood, uh, which is layers of hardwood that are sort of like plywood but finished. Uh, that will also work in a basin because they're dimensionally stable. On the warmth issue, both engineered hardwood and laminates have an underlayment that's usually sold by the manufacturer that does give you a little bit of an insulation layer between that and the concrete floor. If you want to make it warmer than that, you could actually use uh, the one-inch thick uh, styrofoam uh, sheeting boards that's used like on the outside of a, of a house. You can put those down, lock them together, and lay the floor on top of that. And the reason you can do that is because both engineered floors and laminate floors are floating floors. They lock together, and they will sit on top of that base, uh, and that will increase the warmth. But remember, you're going to pick up that inch to inch and a half space. So you got to have, as you said, Leslie, the height to get away with that. Yeah, you know, Andrew, you want to be careful that you don't lose too much height in your basement space because they can already feel kind of cave-like. So you want to do what you can to sort of maximize the light and the openness of the space. Area rugs do a wonderful job of keeping your tootsies warm and giving you that extra sort of depth and texture in the space. You can even add a lot of beautiful practical lamps, standing lamps, table lamps. You know, don't feel like you have to put the furniture to 
to the wall. You can sort of float it away from the walls themselves. Really think about using that space in a way that's going to work for your family. Is it part home office? Is it play area? Think about that. Think about traffic flow and then plan a fantastic new space because you've just gained a ton of square footage. Well, French doors are classic and beautiful as a feature in a room that showcases the view outdoors. But while they're great on style, they're not so great when it comes to privacy. Leslie, however, has some great ideas on how to screen out those prying eyes, but still let the light in in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. That's right. If you love the look of the French doors and you like the idea of having all of that light and all of that glass right there, but maybe the idea of staring at, you know, having your neighbors stare at you when you've just stepped out of the shower is not so appealing to you. So here's a great tip if you really want to keep those French doors in a really beautiful style, but sort of give a little bit of filtering system. What you want to do is pick up some nice decorative paper. You can get rice paper. You can get textural natural papers. And what you do then is cut them to the size of the panes of the glass on your French door and then you can attach them with double-sided tape. You know, the kind that's thin, not the foam one, the one that you're not going to see, the really super clear one. And once you've sort of adhered that to all of the window spaces on the French door, you're going to get a nice soft texture of the paper which is going to separate your personal space, i.e. naked you out of shower from neighbors, (laughs) but still allowing a really nice sort of soft filtered light into the space. And the best thing, it's not permanent. If you want to change it, get new paper down the road, you can easily do that. Good tip. Next week on the program, we're going to have some more tips. In particular, we're going to talk a bit about how to repair some of that deteriorated concrete you may have been staring at all summer long before the winter snow and the ice and all that sets in. We're going to some easy ways to restore those sidewalks and stoops and driveways coming up next week on the program. Until then, the show continues online. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.